Welcome back, friends, to our podcast, Cheeky Vibe, Peaceful Life. My name is Lauren Mazadonsky. And my name is Michelle Moss. And this month, you know, with Valentine's Day coming up, we just thought it would be fun to talk about relationships. And we just put a quote out this week, and I think it was, it'd be a good way to start. What are your thoughts on the, the quote? I know you use it a lot. Yeah. So as a therapist, I use this quote all the time with couples, especially, um, but it could be with a mother, son, mother, daughter, you know, with your siblings. But the quote is, how would it feel to hear what I'm about to say? So before you vomit, the first thing that comes into your head, I always encourage people to hit the pause button for a second. Think, wait a minute, I have a lot to say, but how do I want to say this that it doesn't come across? Well, first of all, that it doesn't come out as an insult or as a way of making somebody get their dukes up to get into a fight. Um, and then the, the next quote I, I use all the time is in the same vein is, you know, when we hit pause before we say things to the people who mean the most to us, remembering that you never have to apologize for the words that weren't spoken. You know, we can think a million things when someone says something to us, but we don't have to impulse gut respond in a way that's negative. Well, yeah, I totally agree. Cause we've talked about this where I feel like if something was said to me um, and it was harsh, like, or just like, I don't know, being Purple. called a bitch or whatever. Um, that's the part of that conversation that I remember. I might not remember even the point you were trying to get across, but when it's that negative or just mean, like, those are the parts that you remember. And that's the stuff that we want to vomit. It's like, oh, that my gut reaction is, I just, I'm so mad. Well, and it's okay to be mad. And that's the other part of the, the next step of that with couples would be saying to them and remembering, you know, we don't want to hold back what we're feeling. We want to share, mm -hmm. we want to communicate and we want to compromise. And we have an empathy. That empathy is how would it feel to hear what I'm about to say, but also anything can be said. It's in the delivery of what we're yes. saying. If I say, you're so mean to me and you make me mean you, that, that that's what they're going to hear. And it's, yes. it's fencing. Now, if I say, you know, I feel really hurt when this happens. Can we talk about it? I'm sharing that I feel, again, feelings aren't right or wrong, good or bad. They're just feelings. It's what we do with those feelings that becomes good or bad. If I get yeah. angry, punch a wall and break my fist and put a hole through the wall, I've hurt myself. I've hurt the wall. It's going to cost money for both things to get fixed. But if I say, you know, I'm really angry about this and sometimes, and again, I use this anger can be a catalyst to change. If we're angry enough about something, we can make growth and change, whether it's women's rights or civil rights or something that you see that's not right, that we want to stand up for justice. Anger can lead to change. But if we do something horrific, <laughs> it can hurt our relationship. And that's what we're talking about. How do we navigate sharing our feelings in a relationship because we're not always perfect. We're not always on our best game. You know, we have good days and bad days. Yeah. For me, like kind of what came up and it's really something I'm, I'm working on just since being divorced and in a new relationship, how I want those conversations to go. Um, I feel like for me to step back, so I don't uh, say something out of emotion, insecurity, being defensive. I do so much better if I'm like, Hey, you know, uh, sometimes if I get quiet, I just will let them know, like, I, this is something I want to process. I want to think about it. Um, cause then it will come out better and, well, you, and you I'm just, not jumping to react 
Right. You they hit the pause it. button. You hit yes. the pause button. And then I'm not saying it in a way that I don't even want to say it because I'm just insecure or defensive or emotional. When you process it, the delivery is so much better and the, the conversation will go better on both ends because you can communicate it from a different place. Well, and again, an important part of that is you're giving yourself a moment to pause and you're giving him the cue. Hey, I need to just, I need a couple minutes. I, I, I got to calm myself down. Or I, you're giving that cue, but then you don't never go back to it. You have to go back yeah. because that's how we keep cultivating a healthy relationship is that we, we discuss the things that are bothering us or we discuss the, the hurts that are happening so that, you know, cause a lot of times, let's say we shove something down. Somebody does some in a couple a cup, one of the persons does something that's a slight, a slight or a hurt and they keep pushing it down. Then eventually if we don't address those small hurts, guess what happens? It's a great big blow up. And then it's, well, a- yeah. Or you're like reliving something that happened months ago that they didn't even know you were mad about. And then honestly, it can make you more upset about something else to where maybe it wasn't even a big deal, but you held on to it. Right. And, and part of that too goes back to when we do deliver things to each other, whether you're the deliverer or the deliveree, if you've done the wrong and somebody's saying, Hey, I felt hurt about that. This is the other important part. Let pride at the door when you come into your relationship and own your own stuff. It's okay to say, you know what? I certainly didn't mean to hurt you. I am so sorry. I, I did not mean for it to come out that way. Um, you know, and as, as, evolved as I, you know, am I still can, like I say, we keep growing and learning and evolving, you know, I've got to do that with my kids or my husband or, um, you know, just being okay with apologizing. Yeah, it's okay. Nobody's perfect. And, and owning that and uh, embracing that we're not perfect. We all make mistakes. And it feels better to just then say you're sorry and have a conversation about whatever it was. Right. Now, having said that, if someone keeps doing hurtful things and keeps apologizing for the same hurtful thing, then we got a, we got a bad loop going there, a negative loop going. So that's not healthy. And that's a whole other, maybe a whole other topic. You know, how do we get out of those negative toxic things and how, where does it become abusive? You know, but, but, but today I think we're more about how do we hold on to the spark and how do we keep, you know, you're in a new relationship. So you're still in the, in the, the, the rosy glow of the, you know, still kind of new, even though you've had, you know, you're, you're still navigating, you both have kids and you're working through all that stuff. But, um, you know, after you've been married for 10 years or 20 years or 32, like me, how do you keep holding on to that, the love and the compassion and the kindness and, you know, hold on to that spark. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. That was something right in the beginning of our relationship. We already kind of said like making date night, making us time is definitely a priority. Um, And another, uh, something like I thought about, and you can tell me your thoughts on this, but I think what's kind of cool, and I always want to keep this in the back of my head, is when people say you you lose your spark, or you've been married a long time, or just kind of not making your relationship a priority, something I don't want to forget about is in a new relationship, that beginning stage of like being excited about date night, like you make it a thing to get ready and want to look good for them or have an outfit or just, you know what I mean? Like you're excited about the getting done up, the having the date night. And I never want to lose that feeling. I think it's important. Um, if someone feels like they're losing that spark, it's kind of revisit that. Because if you start over, like if you feel like, oh, my marriage is over, 
what are you going to do when you start dating again? You're going to do those things. You're going to be excited about date night. So what if you feel like you lose that spark? You just try to do that again with your person. Right. And what you kind of explained, and I teach this too, is passionate love versus companionate love. You know, that passionate, when you first meet somebody that's that, we talked about this before, but that's endorphins are released and adrenaline and it's all can't stand to be apart and you have to talk all the time and you want to touch each other all the time. And, and then it moves into that companionate, which is the, you know, oxytocin. It's that bonding and your, it's your person. And how do you, now you still have passion, but it's, it's, you know, it's not that it's not the same hormones that are released and how you hold on to that is, is, is just, you know, it's work. Like you said, you know, mm-hmm. it's work but it's good work. It's worth it because. So what would you say to a client that came in and said, okay, we're losing our spark. We, and, and these are some of these, we talk about being cheeky. This is some cheekiness here. This is some, you know, you want to, you want to have fun in your marriage. You know, there's drudgery, there's bills, there's dirty diapers, there's stinky socks, whatever, whatever, but you, you have to have fun. So maybe, I mean, not maybe, but anytime one of you comes home from wherever you've been into the home, into your sanctuary, you stop what you're doing, whether you're cooking or watching TV or reading a book or doing a crossword or even engaging with the kids. You stop for a moment and you look up and you greet each other with a smile and a hug and maybe a playful pat on the butt, you know, um, or if you don't have kids or the kids are at a babysitter, you, you know, make a plan and maybe, and it could be either way, maybe your significant other's coming home from work and you're home and maybe you order some takeout, but you greet him at the door with a martini and a brand new Teddy. I mean, something fun and sexy that is unexpected, you know, or, or somebody, or if you're, you know, sending, send some flowers to, to your significant other, that's a surprise at work, or, you know, this is even cheeky too, you know, maybe you say, okay, after work, instead of going home, let's meet at a restaurant. Let's say we're going to meet at Twisted Olive. We're going to sit at the bar. We're going to act like we don't know each other and we're going to flirt with each other. I mean, this is the stuff that, you know, it's, it's work, it's planning, but then it, it brings so much joy and, and passion and pleasure into your marriage tenfold. No, I love it. It's not just your marriage, but your relationship. I mean, whatever it is, you know, but it's work. It's work. And that's why I think that's the reminder is just keep dating. Yes. Yes. Keep it fun. Keep it interesting. And I think I've even mentioned this before. Like if you, if the woman, if you feel like you're taking over and you want the guy to make effort, maybe just say like, Hey, let's rotate date nights. Like whether it's in the house, if you have really small kids and you can't leave, like whatever that looks like, you put them to bed, you make sure you have you time without your devices or well, whatever, yeah. even or- if you have to take turns planning. Right put the kids in bed and have a picnic on the floor with, you know, something like that, like in your own room. And another thing too, some people are not good at planning. So maybe it's even the joy of planning together, getting online and pulling up. And I do this too, like saying to my clients, do a bucket list of maybe your favorite restaurants. And he puts his bucket list or she puts her bucket list down and then you compare them. And maybe it's like, oh my gosh, I'd love to go there. Or I'd never thought of that. Or, oh my gosh, we both have the same thing on the list. Let's make that be our next time out. Or, mm-hmm. you know, or maybe it's a hiking to get, it doesn't have to cost money. Where do you want to hike? Or what are your, some, some things you want to do that's not, doesn't cost us money. Or you get on together and you plan your next trip if it's a overnight. Or again, it doesn't have that. money, but you can do it together. Well, and it's being intentional. Yeah. It's Absolutely. so easy to get caught up in our day-to-day life of, you know, house chores and jobs and all of that. 
that you might get through and be like, oh my gosh, when was the last time we had a date night or that just uninvited attention on each other? Right. And I, and that's another thing, you know, we will pencil in our book or our phone, um, you know, oh, I've got my hair appointment with Lauren on this, mm-hmm. I've got my dentist appointment. I've got this meeting with uh, so-and-so, you know what, pencil in your date night. We're penciling everybody else. Isn't your significant other the most important thing to pencil in? Well, yes. Especially if you feel like, oh, we've gone weeks without it. Like if that's a way, that's one little thing that can help you just be intentional with that time together. Um, and it could even be simple. I don't know if your morning starts and you both can have that time of maybe just having coffee together without your phones, like just that little bit of time getting back in that routine of togetherness. And, you know, I think, um, that's, that's nice to have like a morning routine. And then if you cap bookend your day and then in the evening, you know, and I, again, we talk about this with clients, put your phones off you know, off to the side in, a, in the bathroom instead of the bedroom or in the hallway or whatever, or just take that break and turn the TV off and just talk to each other. Oh my gosh. Some people are so intimidated by that. I actually have like a book of questions for couples to reconnect with each other. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Because sometimes it's like, how did we meet or what do, what do we think of what's our definition of family? Um, and again, it's, you got to ask open oh. questions versus closed. Yes. No questions. So it reminds me of something. Cause I, I do listen and you know, I love anything growth. So I listen to other relationship stuffs and I cannot remember where I heard this, but another thing they were talking about, Oh my gosh, I wish I could remember, but about relationships is also, you have to check in with your people, even if it's your mom, your brother, like have, um, because if we are always know personally, me and you, we have a good relationship. We talk about life and things. And we know this about each other. We know how much we've grown just from doing the podcast, right? So any of your intimate relationship or close relationships, you have to continuing, continue getting to know those people in your life because we change, our likes change, our wants change. Like we're constantly changing. So if you don't communicate with your person or even know, Hey, they, maybe they have a new hobby. If you lose that spark, that connection, you may not even know they have a brand new interest. Right. And that leaves the door open for your energy being put outside of the relationship with other people who share an interest that then, then, then it's like the falling out of love with someone when you're really not cultivating. And, and, and also that's why I love that you said that about the questions, because, you know, if people feel stuck, you know, there's what a, are what are some questions if you can think of any that might help them kind of reconnect that conversation? The first, yeah. the first group of questions is stuff like how did we meet? Let's you know let's reminisce about how we met. What did you think when you met me? You know after the first date, what were your thoughts? Did you tell anybody about me? Who did you talk about? You know it's just that. Oh, I love that handling the romantic part. Um, and also, this is another important thing too, like like not letting pride get in the way. You know we talk about that so much. Um, and I know so many people, and especially, and I'm not, I'm just saying women are generally a lot of better at communicating their feelings. Um, but sometimes men who have children, like they'll be like, well, they haven't reached out to me. They haven't texted me. They haven't called me. Well, guess what? You're the parent. So you reach out, yep. you know, put pride aside. It's not about who's reaching out to who. And that goes to any relationship. Um, you know, if, if you have a friend who's just really busy and maybe they haven't reached out, it's okay to say, 
hey, how you doing? You know, because you don't know what's going on in their life. But especially when it goes back to kids get in their own head, you know, their own busyness, their own self-centeredness, egocentrism. And that's normal for that, for kids to feel that way um, and be that way. So if a parent wants to talk to their kids, then you talk to them. You know, I can't tell you how many times I reach out to my kids, even when they were in college every day, three times a week, whatever it was. And if they can't talk, they don't, but they'll always call back. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's that reach out. Don't let pride stop you from reaching out. I love it. Yeah. That just always really stuck with me about that. Cause I'm like, wow, we really do change and grow. So if we're not talking about that. Right. And somebody will, you, yeah, so somebody will talk about it with somebody, you know, we, we, if we don't talk to our significant other, that's how so many affairs happen you start sharing with somebody all those intimacies that you should be sharing. Yeah, if you don't feel heard or acknowledged. Right, right. right. Or just like you said, life gets in the way and it seems boring and mundane. That's why it's work to keep it because it's so valued. Because again, if you're that kind of person that always wants that passion, 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 and you don't don't feel comfortable with the companion at love, well, then you're always going to be, you're going to be a serial dater, a serial relational person because you're Why, always, people will chase that beginning. Yeah. yeah. Just always wanting that adrenaline rush and you can't sustain that. And if people understand that you can still have passion as you become more of that connection in a deeper level, but you have to make sure you make time for it and you have to make sure that you're working on it. That's why I say, sometimes you just have to have fun, you know, mm-hmm. be still and, and even role modeling that for your kids. I used to, we used to joke in front of the kids, John would maybe we'd be dancing in the kitchen and the kids were sitting at the counter and he dipped me and kissed me and they go, Oh, that's so gross. Yeah, uh-huh. You know, and really it's like, it's helping them see what a healthy relationship can be like. Yeah. You well, know? yeah. Cause I, that would be hard growing up. If you saw your parents never showing each other love and an affection, it was just like, they were roommates. They wouldn't know what to role model or what to set their standard of what a relationship should look like and what they should give back. Right. Yep. I mean, we, it's hard to imagine how much we impact our children with what we do, you know, what's things that we don't do. I mean, it's the things that we don't talk about, but it's our behaviors that really impact our children. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, that's why I want my kids to see me have a healthy, strong relationship, even though for my kids, you know, they've seen me so much. I'm just me and them. Mm-hmm. that even my oldest will sometimes get jealous because she feels like her little sister always takes me. So, I mean, yeah, it's definitely an adjustment for them to see me with somebody. But I mean, that's, I feel like my job kind of as a parent to show them what a healthy, strong, committed relationship looks like. And that's not saying that you won't have disagreements. Again, we're human. Yeah. all have our, but it's, that's the, goes back to the communicating about it and then compromising. And, and then again, watching the kids I mean, the kids watching that, seeing, oh, you can disagree with someone and not into a knockdown, drag out fight. It could just be, oh, look, they talk about when something's not right. They're mm-hmm. sharing their feelings and it's okay to share your feelings because a lot of kids get taught and they end up in therapy as adults. Oh, I wasn't allowed to show my feelings. I don't even have feelings because I've shoved them down so much, but it's okay to show them. Like we said, feelings aren't right or wrong, good or bad. It's what we do with them, you know, being assertively sharing feelings in an appropriate way. Like I said, using those I statements, I feel whatever it is, it's not bad. And, and like I always say too, that, that when you walk into your home with your significant other, whoever that may be, it's your sanctuary. You don't want to come from the chaos and the war of outside. And it is 
a cluster outside our doors, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but to come home that this is our sanctuary. Even if we have disagreements, we can handle them in a civil way with love and care and compassion. Not who's right, because if it, it doesn't matter who's right in the long run. Like I said, all those fights I've had with John, arguments, nitpicking, they're so stupid. It doesn't matter. Life and death matters. Care, compassion, love matters. That stuff didn't matter in that moment who was right or wrong, right? Yes. But putting aside that stuff and letting pride stay at the door when you walk through the door of your home, of your sanctuary. Hmm. It's a good start on, uh, on uh, the month of love, right? It is. It is. It feels good to have Valentine's Day. I haven't had like a, a partner to share that with in some time now. So it feels, it feels good to be excited about it and just know we're going to have a date night and celebrate us. And, oh. and you know what? Not everybody has a significant other and that's okay too. You can have, share your own, you know, do something for yourself, you know, yeah. schedule a spa day or a girl's, a girl's day out. Oh, it could be anyone. I know my very first Valentine's day after my divorce, you would think like, Oh, that's probably like a touchy one. You know, my very first one after, but no, that's what I did is I was just, um, made it special in its own way. We went to my grandparents' house. We had dinner with my grandparents. We had balloons. We, I don't remember if we had any kind of Valentine's day treat or whatever, but it was, I was there with my grandparents. My cousin was there. My kids were there. We had dinner together because it was still about people that I love. Yeah, that's beautiful. And that's a guess exactly what I was saying. Cause I don't, it's not like if our listener might not, some of our listeners might, might not. Yeah. Be instead of feeling bad for yourself, cause think about it. I could have, that could have been such a hard time, but I didn't, I just tried not to dwell on that. I just focused on what I do have. And I have plenty of people in my life that I love. Like I would have been fine focusing on that if it was, if I didn't have my kids, if they would have been with their dad, like with well, a girlfriend or. I, yeah. My daughter, the first year after she broke up with her, um, her last boyfriend before she met Zach, they had a Galentine's day. So she actually yeah. went out and bought all this beautiful stuff and made, they made cupcakes and they put balloons up and, and, and they watched a movie and it was her and her girlfriends and they just hung out and it was, yeah. they had a lot of fun and they called it Galentine's day. And it yeah, was just it can be yeah. about love in any, in any way. Right. Self-love. Yeah. Yeah. Schedule a massage. I think I need to do that. I've been talking about that. I need to do that. <laughs> yeah. I own self-care. Anyway, um, I think that was a great start for it. We have some um, really interesting uh, interviews this month and um, our Mimosa Monday is going to be fun. So um, we're just going to, we're just going to enjoy uh, the, the love of the month, you know, put, put that out there to the world. So anything else you want to add? Uh, no, I, I think that's great. It's- love yourself and spread and lead with love for others. And yeah, I love it. Love, love. Yeah. Love, love wins. I love to say that too. Love wins. All right. Well, as we always, always say, um, and we've mentioned it a couple of times with some of our activities, you can plan with your significant other, uh, stay cheeky. Welcome back friends to our podcast, Cheeky Vibe, Peaceful Life. My name is Lauren Mazadonsky. And my name is Michelle Moss. Today we're going to do a little bit of our girl talk. We love this girl talk stuff. It's unscripted and just sort of fun. 
yeah, it's pretty much what we do as soon as we see each other every time. Right. And actually, we even do it with our guests that come on. We yeah, before. chat before. And then I know. We need to just start hitting record sometimes. I know, because we always say this. We've always, oh, we should have recorded that. That was really good. <laughs> well, or just something in our own lives. We get together and we're like, oh my gosh, this is what happened. And just... Yeah. Speaking of, so update um, on my uh, journey with my husband through this COVID journey. Um, he actually came home Friday. Yay. Yes. And there were like 50 some people here to greet him. We had a little parade and he was crying. I was crying. Everybody was crying. It was very emotional um, and wonderful. And thanks to all our family and friends that showed up for that. I mean, we had friends that came from Cleveland. Ray and Brad came all the way from Cleveland. And, you know, just people that are neighbors and friends and family. I know. I was so sad I couldn't be here, but I was so glad at least you had everything kind of out there and I could see it. Yeah. Well, and, you know... We kind of wanted him to come home on a Sunday because then a lot of people could have yeah. come. But on the other hand, I wanted him home as soon as possible. Yeah. So we're adjusting to having him home. We had a, a hospital bed delivered to our downstairs bedroom to keep him on the first floor. Um, he's been using a walker and adjusting to still still adjusting to not being who he was and, and having to acclimate to the journey that mm-hmm. we're on. And that you know I've known and live this for three months and so for me it's like hallelujah praise god he's home yay we're gonna get back to normal and 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 i know that's a journey and he's woke up and thought what the heck is going on i am i can't walk i I can't and he can walk now but when he woke up he couldn't walk could hardly talk you know had had hallucinations because of all the medications i mean it was it's been a trip and i just realized last night you know i keep saying to everybody, John wanted to be 100% yesterday. Like, he wants to be well yeah. yesterday. But you know what? I, I think I've sort of done that myself. Like, we're sitting in his room um, temporarily until he can navigate the steps without risk of hurting himself. But I've realized that I guess I've expected him to come back. And even though physically he wasn't back to normal, I expected him to come back and be mentally back to normal. Our repartee, our back and forth, our talk, our discussions... And you know, he is still battling life and death. He's still battling and worrying about his blood pressure, his his pulse oxygen level, his, you know, bodily functions and just stuff that's like we take for granted. And he's focused on that, you know, in like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, that basic food food and breathing and, and water and sustenance and that kind of thing, that those basic needs he's still working on, even though he's working. He, he was, he's down there working right now in the office. and I know, it's so good to see him in his office. Yeah, but I think, you know, he's exhausted and a lot of energy is being taken up with oh, getting yeah. well. And, you know, he doesn't have a lot of talk left, especially when he works during the day. And I have to recognize that. I mean, he's not a, a big, giant, long talker. Anyway, you know, he's a man of fewer words. I mean, he's the life of the party, but when it comes down to long, deep conversations, he, you know, he's he thinks... And has few words, but they're very deep. But it's not like he's, as, as I'm just rambling on and on, not like me who could talk for eight hours without taking <laughs> a breath. Your sleep. <laughs> like, I really could. Um, so I just, I, I have to give him grace, as I say, for him to give himself grace that he's going to, you know, the journey's here and we're on it and, and it'll get to where we want to go. But yeah, it's just a new new piece of it. Right. And just to take every step. And, and again, I'm so thankful and literally am so thankful to God that he is here, that he, that he made it. And the doctors all think, they've all said it's a miracle. They don't know why or how. Um, and the more we find out, the more everything shut down. But now 
we are literally going to neurologists and pulmonologists and general practitioners and they're all like, yeah, all of his blood work's coming back close to normal. He should be completely recovered. Oh, like the neurologist said, there is no reason his feet and legs won't be 100%. Like, I mean, it's just crazy because you know, I was planning a funeral. You know, hmm. I mean, it's just been a lot. So, um, you got to give yourself the same grace. Yeah, I know. I might, I, I, I said this to a couple people, but I'm going to say it out loud because I promote it for every, everybody else. I might see a counselor just for a little bit of processing. I almost think it's a little, uh, people would understand if I say post-traumatic stress reaction, it's really called an acute stress reaction because it's been a shorter term than six months, but I think I need to process a little bit because I, I woke up in screaming and nightmares and couldn't, I just keep having like almost like flashbacks in my sleep. Do you so, think it's because it's my it, this is like really setting in? Yeah, it's probably the my mind is actually letting me reconcile what could have been because I mm-hmm. kind of avoided it, and so it now that I'm although I, I lay in bed and I worry up as I'm up in our room and I worry, what if he stops breathing? What if something happens and I'm up here? Like it, it, it that's that scary um, part that, you know, I, I am a very positive person and I know we're going to get through this. We wouldn't have gotten this far without it. And I wouldn't have got this far without God and our friends and our family and the support network and the wonderful doctors and nurses who did an amazing job on him. Um, but, but I'm human. Mm-hmm. And I'm... I'm, I obviously my sleep has been disrupted and I'm having nightmares. I woke up screaming. My son thought it was his music. He's like, I didn't know what the heck that was. It was his mother in the other room screaming because I was freaking out for some reason. So I think it's just like you said, grace, grace for him, grace for myself and just taking every step one step at a time. Right. Yep. That's what you would tell me. It sure is. It's what I tell everybody. That's why I got to take my own advice. And maybe if I talk to somebody, I'll work through some of it a little bit. So, yeah. If I can find the time. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's just I know. Really Good thing for his telehealth, right? Yeah. Hopefully he can find some right. time and plug right. in. So how how are you doing? What's Good. going on with you? Um, not not too much. I just found a quote for us. I thought it would be a good discussion point. I actually was talking about um kind of the topic last night with one of my coaching clients. So I'll read the quote first and then you can we can dive into it together. Okay. Um so this is a quote from uh, Brene Brown, who I love. Um, Our job is not to deny the story, but to defy the ending, to rise strong, recognize our story, and rumble with the truth until we get to a place where we think, yes, this is what happened, and I will choose how the story ends. My gosh, that's a great quote for what I just talked about (laughs) with John. We're in the middle of the story. It's not over yet. Yeah. And how does that apply to you? Um, well, last night, the first thing that came up when we were kind of talking about it was for, you know, me personally, um, my example was, you know, after my divorce and I had such little kids, I just felt like it, it could be easy to sit in that, that victim stage and kind of relive the things that, you know, made us get divorced or the fact that I left and I had little kids, like, all those things. I could have sat in that. I've been almost divorced for five years. But like she says in that quote, like I get to choose the ending. Like, yes, that ended. But now I can take that and, you know, make that pain, like move that into like my purpose and my passion and how I can help other women. Um, maybe that felt like they didn't have a voice or they didn't know their worth. And that's 
really where I try to focus on, but I could feel myself getting excited when I was talking to her about that. Mm -hmm. Um, because I was like, yes, this is it. This is what like people need to hear because we, it's easy to sit in that victim place and like feel bad or replay it or, you know, and there's times where I still talk about it, that things that happen maybe in my marriage, I'm like, I can't believe this happened or this really hurt me. But I'm like, no, I get to choose. And now I'm in, you know, a relationship where we're just very compatible and it's, you know, healthy, healthy. And I'm so happy. Um, so it's like, that's another thing is I'm also choosing to find the good of ending that and now just, you know, trying to do our best with co-parenting, but knowing that now I got to move on with a partner that I really feel like we're meant to be together. Right. And you know, what you just described too is something that I've shared with clients is, you know, if we focus too much on the past and we just dwell and, oh my gosh, shoulda, coulda, woulda and all that, it leads to, correlates with depression. We get stuck in that victim mindset, replaying all the hard stuff. Yes, it was hard. And we don't, we're not dismissing that or diminishing yeah, that. Yeah, but knowing but, that's also not in my life anymore. Right. I'm yes, not in that. I'm not that. getting treated like that or like the situations that were happening. I no longer live there. So that's not really me. That's not my life anymore. And I, And it's okay to like, let that go and yes that was a part of it but and that's something I guess the biggest takeaway I hope our listeners can take is like if there's something a story that you keep replaying in your head how can you change it you get to choose that ending I love that yeah for sure keep moving forward yeah and trying to find the positive pieces that can move you forward I mean and just the little things of you know if I'm having a really bad day just reminding yourself of the gratitude and we're here and we're alive and, mm-hmm. and we get to like live this amazing life like mm-hmm. and just finding the joy and even just saying this amazing life life is pretty amazing it is if you if you pay attention to those little things right you you can put those pieces together and realize that and not you know like that that's something that I've been really working on it's just the thoughts that can sometimes take over and but again I think I know, I've known you a long time I think you have done that I mean I think this is true to you this quote and yeah. moving forward and coming to and this isn't the end of your story because your story with Chris that's where this story is just beginning yeah. mm-hmm. and then where you guys go from here and raising your children together and and then traveling or whatever you and guys our stories, our lives are it's always a new day a new adventure and I don't know I just I think it's pretty cool if you just focus on those the good things and recreating it and being like you said being able to open your eyes and be alive I mean again I'm so thankful that John's here and it's we're still navigating and figuring all this out we're going to get through it because we've gotten through lots of things but we're not going to stay back there we're going to keep moving forward Mm -hmm. yeah awesome I love that that's a good quote do you want to read it one more time and then we'll be done? I just want to want you to say it one more time. Yeah, for of course. Our I know, it's a long one. i got to take like a deep breath here. Deep, deep closing <sighs> breath. But it, seriously, when I heard this, when I had that conversation, I love those moments when you just feel like your mm-hmm. insides, like, I don't know, get excited. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so the quote again, Brene Brown, Our job is not to deny the story, but to defy the ending, to rise strong, recognize our story and rumble with the truth until we get to a place where we think yes this is what happened and i will choose how the story ends amen love it okay well as always to our listeners stay cheeky